Southeast Radio's morning mix. Good morning, Alan. Thanks for having me. You've literally hot-footed a down for a very special opening ceremony in Wexford this morning. Can you share it with us? I think we were there quite recently ourselves with the programme. Yeah, you were indeed. Look, I was delighted to be back in Wexford today to officially open the new Wexford College of Further Education and Training. We've invested as a government, I think, about €11 million Euro, um, in, in this facility. It is just state-of-the-art, as you would have seen with your own eyes. But, but more importantly than the state-of-the-art facilities, and they are state-of-the-art, is to see what they're doing there. I mean, I, I met so many different people doing education in so many different ways. I met a community education group doing art projects. I met a kayaking group. I met a young man with Down syndrome called Sean, who's able to do the latch-on programme at Down Syndrome Ireland there, and then go from there to a programme in Southeast Technological University. I met apprentices. Um, this new facility will see you go from 48 apprentices a year in Wexford Town to at least 200, and new apprenticeship programmes in electrics and plumbing that simply weren't available um, in Wexford Town before that. Using virtual technology uh, to help people wanting to work in healthcare. Really, really brilliant facility. And, and look, it goes without saying, but it, it needs to be said. Uh, I want to thank the people working there, uh, the staff of the ETB, uh, and indeed Kevin Lewis, the chief executive of that ETB. I particularly want to thank him because he's due to retire next week. And I think this project is a great tribute to him and his yeah. time there. So the, the various facets you talked about there, we, mm. we, we, we got that. We had a, a most enlightening and heartening outside broadcasts from there and some of the people we met were retired people yes who had found a whole new lease of life everything from painting you name it they were doing it that's an aspect of it that sometimes is forgotten because people are thinking of getting people on the employment ladder where do you stand when it comes to people who are retired keeping them active keeping them focused like what we saw when we were there yeah look I'm, I'm delighted you brought that up because we have to break down this kind of ageist view stigma uh, and it yeah. is a stigma and people think people talk about education as though it's something you do for a certain time in your life but what you actually see down in our new college here in Wexford and across the country is older people going back to education and I've met some of them today perhaps someone who's had a bereavement in their family now finds themselves living at home taking up that art course and yes they're enjoying the skills and they're learning lots but they're also having a social aspect to it yeah. and there was great camaraderie uh, going on today uh, among some of the older learners that I met so if there's someone listening to this programme anywhere across uh, County Wexford please know there's actually something for you there and whether you whether you kind of want to seriously get into your, your education and upscale or whether you want to do a bit but at the same time just kind of have a social aspect there's absolutely something for everyone there and, and there's no doubt that the, the yeah. nicest thing one woman said to me today she said the nicest thing was the intergenerational mix in, in that college and she's so correct you made me a promise and I, I'm holding you to it yes. for as long as you're in government uh, and that is that when we get the all-important confirmation of our campus here our state-of-the-art campus there are a lot of projects minister that people in Wexford would dearly like to see get across the line some of them have nothing to do with you although mm. you are a government minister mm. I'm talking about the flood relief scheme in Enniscorthy uh, that, that's one that is constantly raised and our, our state-of-the-art university campus is another one that's constantly raised because there are a lot of people who want to see it happen now and we've been promised and promised and promised where are we with this please? So firstly, I will be back here the moment there is an official announcement to be made but let me say this, we're, we're, we're there we're almost there, we're almost there so today Today, a meeting will take place between the South East Technological University um, and Wexford County Council. And I want to thank the council, by the way, for stepping in here because we required a, a, a CPO process. The first thing that will happen, just for the benefit of your listeners, is that the council will acquire the site through CPO. At that moment in time, the site is in public ownership. And then the site will obviously have to be transferred from 
the local authority to the university. That bit bothers me less because once we get this site into public ownership, we now own a public site. So there's an important meeting today, if I can put it like that, and we where, where are is extremely close. I think it's taking place in the local authority. Okay, I, I'm open right. to correction on that. But what I do know is that Wexford County Council and the South East Technological University are meeting. and My officials are in very close contact and we are tantalisingly close to this. I think, if you don't mind me saying, I think very quickly people will want to know, well, what does this mean? Yeah. Um, and let me, let, me, let me try and help them with that too. What it basically means is we'll have a 46-acre site. Massive site, right? Massive, massive site. The Southeast Technological University will require quite a bit of it. They may not require every bit of it, so there could be opportunities to do other things in further education and training and apprenticeships on the site. That could be very exciting. We're not in the business of buying sites and using taxpayers' money, though, if we don't have great plans for the sites. And obviously, it's absolutely up to the university and not me to dictate what goes on the site. But some of what I'm hearing is very exciting. Are we going to see STEM subjects then? Yeah, I think we are. But I think certainly, what we, uh, because I'll tell you the, the kind of industry areas I think we're likely to see. I mean, what, do, what does Wexford have? Well, Wexford has a lot, but it has a port. It has a major, major port and major national asset in Rosslare. Uh, it also has a coastline um, in terms of offshore wind renewable. So I, th- I think when it comes to things like marine biology, transport logistics, um, that's where the Wexford campus, I think, can lead to the Southeast University. And if I just say one other thing, I don't want it, though, to lose what it's already good at because when I visited the existing Wexford campus I met a lot of people involved in I'm not sure I like the phrase lifelong learning but people who are doing part-time education people have gone back to learning later in life and they told me categorically that were it not for the Wexford campus they wouldn't have been able to access third level so I hope it continues to play that role in lifelong learning flexible learning part-time courses too All right. so the position is meeting today it's, it's coming close. No one can actually give me a definitive date and you can't either. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm very clear that there's no blockage that I'm aware of and that we're now in the formality stage. I'm very clear that this is, you know, I, 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 I think we'll be there this month. Please stay with me. I want to get your views on the Wexford Wicklow border as well um, and, and what it means to you uh, as a sitting deputy and a sitting minister um, uh, and lots more. Minister Simon Harrison, studio. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Still in studio with us, we have Minister Simon Harris, who is here for a very special launch today. Just to remind us again, Minister, of what people tuning into the programme may not be aware of it. Just talk to us a little bit about that launch again. Yeah, we formally opened a new state-of-the Irish College of Further Education and Training here in, in Wexford Town, a multi-million euro development, top-notch facilities, extra capacity for apprentices and for lots of other educational courses. Um, really superb facility. Okay. Uh, apprentices. Yes. Our apprenticeships. You mentioned that in our detailed discussion about this earlier. When I was there I noticed it was as well I was speaking to Michael the man from Blackwater as I call him and I think it was plumbing apprenticeships that they were looking at at this point in time is the stigma still out there about doing an apprenticeship or do you think in your tenure as minister you've, you've managed to get that across the line that it's no longer uh, a lesser option to be an apprentice well I think we're making huge it never was in the first place no it never it? was and I think we're making huge huge progress and why do I say that it's not just my gut it's not just when I walk into centres and I see them busier it's the fact that more people than ever before are registering to be an apprentice we think this year we'll have 9,000 newly registered apprentices I mean that's a phenomenal and where are they going mostly 
in terms of areas, yeah. about six and a half thousand of them are doing what we call craft apprenticeships, so traditional apprenticeships, the, the trades, if what might have been known commonly as the trades, electrics, plumbing, brickling, yeah. where we really need them, quite frankly. Housing. Um, housing, because yeah. we need... Is that carpentry or block Carpentry is included, block, literally everything you can think of that involves the building of a house. We have about, we know we need 50,000 more people, 50,000 to work in construction by 2030. Now, some of them are engineers and architects, the bulk of them, um, are, are, are the trades and where I work in the Dáil every single day people talk about building more houses it's very important no one in the Dáil is going to build a house No, everyone in the Dáil together isn't going to build a house we need more people to take up the trades and that's why I'm really excited right here literally minutes from this studio young people and not so young people can now become plumbers and can now become electricians something that was not available yeah. before this facility opened so when it, whether it be Fianna, Gael Fianna Fáil or Sinn Féin or whoever puts forward their proposals for the budget and they all highlight you all highlight housing as being the priority until you address the issue of the workforce, the houses aren't going to be built, are they? Well, I mean, obviously we're making progress. You have the more money, houses. but you don't have the people. I, I think I think we don't have enough people, it's true. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, without getting into a huge housing debate, housing supply is increasing, we're building more houses. But what I am telling you factually um, is we need 50,000 more people by 2030. Um, and you're right, anybody, any party, any politician can come on with a slogan to fix housing or a couple of lines or a couple of paragraphs. Mm. Lack of money isn't the challenge in relation to housing. There's absolutely not. You see that we're spending more and more every. It's people. We need more people to do. So, do you need to make apprenticeships more attractive to people? For example, one of the issues that's often raised is that when they are doing the apprenticeship themselves, the money is paltry. Yeah, they can get more on the exchange. Yeah. Now, look, we are looking at that, but at the same time, I would point out that you do anyone becoming an apprentice today is going to make a very fine living, and it's the only part of our education system where you're being paid as you educate. So you are learning and earning. I would like to look. At how it interacts with minimum wages and living wages, and I am doing a piece of work on that. Yeah. There's another thing that we need more employers to take on more apprentices. So we're now offering money to any employer, a financial grant for any employer who hires an apprentice. This is to make it easier for smaller companies perhaps to get involved, maybe the traditional man with the van, um, as opposed to just larger yeah. companies being able to get involved. And the public bodies need to step up. Every local authority, every government department, we've set individual targets now for apprenticeships they have right. to take on. So very good progress being made, but we cannot get the message out clearly enough that there are lots of different ways of getting a qualification, not just going to the traditional university route. And an apprenticeship is a very good way of getting a qualification and a well-paid job. I want to move away from education, move on to other issues. Before I do that, encouraging students to take advantage of the new student supports. Apparently only one in four have applied for the €500 Euro grant. Yeah, so look, the budget is next week and I hope to be able to make progress to improve um, the situation for students and their parents. But what I can say is right now, before any budget, if you have a household income of less than €100,000 gross, you're entitled to €500 off your fees if you're a full-time undergraduate student. We thought about 40,000 people would apply for that. I think about ten or 11,000 have. So if you're listening to us this morning and you might be in that situation, go to susie.ie, that's S-U-S-I.ie, where you can claim this grant and it'll knock €500 off the fees per student. That could come in very handy for a number of families in Wexford. Right, moving on to other issues. Big talking point, the splitting of the constituency uh, and Wexford uh, trying to link in with Wicklow and three three possible TDs. Uh, this is a slap bang in the middle of your own constituency, isn't it? It is. I, I mean, f- firstly, I think it's a really good thing that politicians don't decide constituencies.
constituencies and draw lines on maps. So the decision is made, it's made independent, it's made by the Electoral Commission and it is what it is. I am I am a bit sad, though, uh, to be honest, that to see the county boundaries breached. Um, I mean, County Wicklow and County Wexford uh, are very distinctive counties. Uh, they're neighbouring counties, of course, but I, d- I do like the idea of constituencies mirroring county identity. I think that is generally good. But look, the decision is what the decision is. What it effectively means now is my my dull constituency in the next election, I'll be contesting a constituency that will run from... Bray down as far as Wicklow Town across to Bolton Glass and up to Blessington effectively um, and then anything south of Wicklow Town um, pretty much um, becomes part of a new Wicklow-Wexford constituency which But you I, which remain I fully in the Wicklow constituency It's you? my intention to seek, seek re-election in the Wicklow constituency and that, what that does mean is that Wicklow-Wexford let's call it the new constituency has three seats and there's no sitting TD living within that area you know me for stirring it a bit. Uh, yes. there, there are rumours that your party colleague Paul Keogh could be heading in that direction. Can you shed any light on that? I certainly can't because that's entirely a matter for him and I know these matters are... These are well, he was with you this make. morning. He didn't whisper in your ear that he was going that direction, did Paul, he? Paul, he's a good friend of mine. He's a great TD and he'll be a good TD and representative wherever he runs and I'll support whatever he, want, whatever he wants to do. He's a great TD, but um, people have to make these decisions. What, what difficulties does it bring for both counties? by this decision. I mean, I, I think Senator Malcolm Byrne warmly welcomed it from Fianna Fáil. In fact, he's, he's seen as p- mean, the main person for proposing it. Had you proposed, did you put in a counter-proposal? No, I, I personally have never made a submission to a boundary commission because my view is let the commission do their work. But I mean, I would have liked to see Wicklow remain as a constituency in and of itself and Wexford right. remain as a constituency in and of itself. In fairness to the Electoral Commission, they have to respect the constitution, the bound, the there has to be a set certain number of TDs per head of population. Both Wicklow and Wexford have seen huge population yeah. growth so it is what it is now and now political parties will need to obviously get on with deciding their candidates All right. over the last few months you stood in for the Minister for Justice you're now back in your own brief again aren't you but it hasn't been lost on you what's going on with Angarda Chicago where do you stand on the issue I mean we've had two contrasting proposals Uh, Verona Murphy quite clearly stated the Minister needs to intervene Uh, Minister of State James Brown he didn't sit in the fence but he didn't give me the impression he felt the Minister should intervene and quoted that there's an act out there which means it might be impossible for the government to intervene but unless somebody does do something um, is this kind of likely to ramble on? And again, I talked to you off air about the fear people have. We need a fully functioning Garda Shikana. We're, we're reassured that they are fully functioning. I've spoken mm-hmm. at length to the new Chief Superintendent of Wexford. He has said to me quite clearly that they are functioning. But there's obviously unrest, Minister. So what, what, what do you think? Well, well, what I honestly, what I honestly think about as a, as a citizen and as a minister for some time now is the only way any dispute is ever resolved is by people sitting down uh, and getting in a room and, and working these things out. Every single industrial relations dispute in the history of the state is resolved. Disputes are always resolved. It's just a question of how quickly they can be resolved. And I think it is in everybody's interest, including the rank and file members of Angarda Shia including Garda management, and most importantly, the people of this country who the Garda take a sworn oath uh, to serve for this to be resolved. I have nothing but respect for, for Gardaí. I think they just do an incredible job. I think their job has gotten a lot more difficult with the advent of mm. social media, people waving cameras in their in their faces. But my colleague, Minister McEntee, is, is correct here. What needs to be found is a process. And there are a number of processes available. There's the internal Gardaí uh, disputes resolution mechanisms. And then there's also um, agencies established by government, the Workplace Relations Commission and yeah. the Labour Court. So I don't want to say anything... Um, I don't want to say anything that is unhelpful. My understanding is the representative bodies are meeting the commissioner this week. I think the GRA may be meeting the commissioner today. Um, but, but I'm around long enough and I think common sense will tell you the only way disputes are resolved is through engagement and that engagement mechanism needs to be found. But 
you know, there's no debt. Does it go far deeper, though? I mean, you look at the, the, the percentage vote from the GRA where they quite clearly stated they were unhappy with the current uh, commissioner. Uh, I mean, if you, in your position, got that similar vote from the rank and file of Fine Gael members, would you stay in the role as minister? Or? Well, I think it's an important question because the job of a politician and a Garda commissioner are very different. Okay. So, I mean, I'm put in my position by popular vote of the people of Wicklow. Right. That's not how we select our Garda commissioner. The Garda commissioner is appointed uh, by the government. I think the Garda commissioner is doing an excellent job. He retains the full confidence of the government, of all parts of the government. But you, that, that can be true, as can saying that Gardaí want certain issues considered. Work-life balance, the impact of a new roster on childcare, the impact of it on, in terms of practical sense, uh, practical operations. If you take a sporting anal- analogy, uh, comparison, I say, couldn't even pronounce the word analogy yet. Uh, if you take a sporting comparison, if you were a manager of a hurling or football team and the players wanted you out, you're gone. But again, I don't want to be annoying about this. The Garda Commissioner is not the manager of a football team. Okay. The Garda Commissioner is appointed by the government and the Garda Commissioner has to be able to do his or her job um, without winning kind of popularity contests. But let me say this, rank-and-file Gardaí have legitimate issues that they want to be considered and addressed. Mm. They have a right for those issues to be considered and addressed. Minister McEntee is clear on that. And it's about finding a process where there can be engagement and negotiation and ideally an agreed roster because we need more Gardaí. We need to support the Gardaí. We need to recognise that things like childcare, work-life balance, safety, these all really matter. We need right. to give them the tools, the equipment, the body cam, more colleagues. So there's lots to discuss and yeah. they have legitimate grievances to be addressed. Okay. But we need a process for that to happen. Thank you for joining me in studio. Thank you so much. Final comment from you in relation to the budget what are your hopes for it? What do you think is going to happen within it? So the first thing I hope is that this is a cost of living budget, that there's measures that can quickly help people make ends meet because I meet a lot of people, working people, people doing their best, uh, pensioners, lots of different people, people with disabilities, so many different people and they're just struggling because of inflation through no fault of their own, everything's gotten a little bit dearer. The country's in good economic health and I think we should be doing things between now and Christmas to try and help people. The second thing though I think we should be doing is being very aware of the fact that the world is a choppy place at the moment. There's a war on the continent of Europe, there's some dark clouds economically um, at a global level too and making sure that we continue to prudently run the country, not kind of promise all things to all people. So take practical actions that can help between now and Christmas and then try and safeguard the future, to safeguard the country for the months ahead. Thank you for your openness and uh, for joining us in studio and I'm holding you to the promise you made to come back when the uh, university uh, campus crosses the line. I'll be back. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix.